everyone, you're listening to Bionic Bug Podcast with fiction author and national security expert Natasha Bajma. Join me as I discuss the latest news about emerging technology, read chapters from Bionic Bug, and explore the real-life technologies featured in my novel. We'll discuss where fiction meets reality in the future. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Bionic Bug Podcast. It is episode number two. My name is Natasha Bajama. I'm a fiction author, national security expert, and your host for this podcast. Um, so first off, I want to share a personal reflection. Last week, after I proudly posted my first ever podcast, I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts and realized that I had made a mistake in recording the closing segment. So the slashes and website addresses are not black slashes. They are actually forward slashes. And I had said backslash in my closing uh, segment hashtag facepalm. So I had to go and re-record the closing segment for this week. Um, I had a pretty good laugh about it. Um, I've been making a lot of amateur mistakes lately, and it's because I've realized I'm doing things for the very first time again. And, you know, since I'm in my 40s, yes, I just admitted that on live podcast, I've built up a nearly two-decade career in national security. It's been a long time since I've been new at anything, and It feels so exciting and adventurous. In some ways, I feel like I'm 20 all over again, making all of those first-time mistakes. So if you take anything away at all from this, you should know that not only is it never too late to start a new career, but in fact, uh, it's highly recommended. Uh, Being an amateur again um, at this uh, juncture in my life is incredibly freeing, and it's given me a fresh outlook. Okay, so let's talk tech. I have a few headlines that caught my attention this week. Um, So uh, April 4, 2018, uh, article titled, Cybersecurity is Far More Critical Than Border Security. So as you know, in the United States, there's currently a debate about building a wall along the U.S.-Mexican border. And so one of the things that I keep thinking about is that it will be obsolete before it's even built. I mean, there are a couple of issues here. First of all, drones. So increasingly organized crime, drug dealers, even uh, friends of uh, cellmates in prisons are using drones to deliver um, contraband, drugs, uh, you name it across some um, physical barriers. And it just occurred to me that a wall is just another one of those physical barriers um, that can be easily crossed by, by drones. Also, um, cyber crimes are borderless. So I wonder in this day and age where um, more and more we're seeing crime turn to uh, the internet, to the dark web, um, whether or not a, board, uh, a wall at the border is really practical. Um, So the U.S. is more invested in cyberspace than any other nation. Um, Our society, for example, I don't think any of us can imagine life without the Internet anymore. But even so in our military. So increasingly, um, the military has become dependent on the Internet and its functioning. Um, And here I recommend a great book by August Cole and P.W. Singer called Ghost Fleet. Um, I read this book a couple of years ago. Um, It's all about basically how they think World War III might actually occur. And uh, spoiler alert, um, it revolves around our dependence on the internet. And so if you want to know what keeps me up at night, this is it. 
Many of you might not be aware of a recent ransomware attack against the city of Atlanta. Um, these are a form of cyber attacks that essentially deny you access to your computer in return for some uh, sum of money. So on March 22, a cyber attack shut down the city of Atlanta's online systems. It affected the computer systems of 8,000 municipal employees and um, as long as, or even more so, a week after the attack, officials were still struggling to try to keep the government running without many of their digital processes and services. Residents couldn't pay their water bills or their parking tickets. Um, police were having to write out reports by hand. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, court proceedings uh, for people not in police custody were canceled until computer systems were functioning properly again. So the question I have is, how well prepared are we for such attacks, even on a larger scale? I mean, Atlanta's one thing, it's a large city, but New York City, um, Washington, D.C. So another related headline on April 1, cybersecurity faces challenges in Congress. So it might disturb you a little bit to know that Congress is mostly focused on immigration, healthcare, budget legislation. All of these are incredibly important issues. Um, but a quote from this article, cybersecurity is not necessarily one of the highest policymaking priorities. Yes. So this is something that is constantly on my mind. And I think in the next five years, we're going to be experiencing some interesting times. Finally, one more headline, um, and it relates to Bionic Bug. On April 2, 2008, company plans drones to carry 400-pound payloads. A Canadian company wants to develop a drone that can deliver packages up to 400 pounds. And I keep thinking about that package falling on top of my house, and I'm not really happy about it. Um, these drones will also be able to fly 150 kilometers. That's 93 miles for Americans. The company conducted its first test of a Sparrow drone on March 5. This has a capacity for 11-pound payload. They are planning tests for another drone called the Raven, payloads of up to 25 pounds. So if you didn't know this, um, Amazon is planning for drone delivery. Um, they have been testing out their system that they're developing in the UK. I think they might have carried out one limited test in the US. It's currently not legal um, in the US to do drone delivery. And so when will this happen? Well, the timing um, will depend on when the appropriate re regulations are put into place. But I predict we'll, we'll see the beginnings of it within the next five years. And you'll see this um, occur in Bionic Bug. So next, I want to thank my first two patrons, Renee and Cheryl. Thank you so much for your support, which allows me to produce this show. If you would like to support my show for only a few dollars a month, please go to www.patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N forward slash Natasha Bajma. So last, last week, we left off with the first chapter where I introduced some of my main characters, uh, Lara, Vic, Sully, and Maggie. Sully was acting strangely. We know that Lara's company was in financial trouble, so let's see what happens next. Chapter 2, Nationals Park At the crack of ball against bat, Lara leapt to her feet, hot dog in hand, and cheered as the Nationals player on third slid into home plate. Some relish plopped onto her shoe, but she didn't care. The baseball park was filled to the brim and full of tension. With the series tied 2-2, this game would determine if the Atlanta Braves or the Washington Nationals advanced to the World Series. Her mouth watered at the smell of grease wafting under her nose. 
When she jumped out of her seat, she accidentally squished the bun a little, but her hot dog, slathered with condiments, still looked delicious. As she leaned forward to take a bite, a large man standing next to her bumped her arm and knocked her off balance. Fighting to regain her footing, she nearly tripped over her motorcycle helmet on the cement floor below. Then something wet hit her leg, and she cringed. And that's why I wear black. She carefully wiped the glob of ketchup from her leggings with a napkin. Glancing at her feet, she groaned. A large drop of mustard had landed on her lucky baseball glove tucked inside her shiny black Harley Davidson helmet. I told you not to pile on so many spices, Vic chuckled next to her. Condiments, Laura retorted. Suppressing a glare, she rubbed the glove clean with her sleeve before straightening up again to watch the game. Whatever, Vic said, grinning from ear to ear, as if nothing could bother him. Say, were you able to reschedule the meeting with the Langstons? An uncertain look on his face replaced his grin. He must have just remembered the source of his good fortune. Lara nodded, not making eye contact. She didn't have the heart to tell him that the Langstons had dropped her for someone else. That's good. I'm going to get something to eat, Vic motioned. He was leaving. For some reason, I have an unrelenting hankering for falafel. He grinned broadly and raced up the stairs. Falafel? The kid was always hungry. She wasn't sure if any ballpark vendor served deep-fried balls of ground chickpeas, but she remained silent on the matter. She'd never met anyone so infatuated with different foods. All vegetarian, of course. Lara kept her eyes fixed on the game and finished her supper before it could cause any more damage. At the bottom of the sixth inning, the score was now tied 3-3 three to three with two outs, and the bases were loaded for the Nationals. She clenched her teeth and kept her eyes glued on the pitcher. Her cell phone buzzed. What now? Glancing away from the game, Lara scanned the news headline flashing across the home screen of her smartphone. Wealthy couple accused of using gene editing tools to create designer baby faces 10 years in prison. Lara shook her head in disbelief. The technological changes on the horizon promised enormous benefits. The drawback was all the new ways people could commit crimes and screw with society. She shoved her the smartphone in her pocket. I should be savoring the game, not worrying about the future. She found it strange that in the middle of dramatic technological change, some things stubbornly remain the same, like hot dogs and baseball. Familiar tastes and sounds in the ballpark comforted her, giving her the elusive feeling of home. What's taking Vic so long? Lara turned her head away from the game to scan the mezzanine level for him. She wanted him to have the full experience of her favorite pastime, even if it wasn't as good as cricket. She purchased season tickets to the Nationals to schmooze with prospective clients. That way she could write off the tickets. She would probably have bought anyway. In theory, it was win-win. I guess I could write it off as team building if Vic ever gets back up here. She massaged her temples. Every time she thought about the failed Langston contract, her head began to throb. There was no backup plan. Nothing else waiting in the wings to pay her bills. Lara squeezed her eyes shut. Come on, just relax. It'll be okay. Enjoy the game. She opened her eyes and decided to live in the moment. Her season tickets were located on the first base foul line and offered a great view of the entire ballpark. From this vantage point, she had a decent shot at catching a foul ball or a home run. That is, if she had her glove ready. She looked down at her lucky charm near her feet. Bittersweet memories surfaced. 
Her father would have loved these seats. He'd given her the glove on her sixth birthday, taught her the right way to break it in, the right way to soil it, oil it, and the right way to catch a fall ball. Or, if she was really lucky, a home run. Lars shook off the pang of her father's absence and looked once more for Vic. He's missing the best part of the game. Lars sighed heavily for the hopeless mission of finding falafel. Vic never listened to sense when he had his mind set on something. That determination, or grit as she liked to call it, was one of the reasons she hired him. After a year of his help, she didn't know how she could survive without him. Vic was a graduate student at Georgetown and took the job to help pay his way through school. Lara hesitated to hire him at first, but he won her over when she learned he turned down a full ride to MIT for electrical engineering and computer science to study criminal justice instead. His family would never let him forgive it, forget it, and for good reason. He could have made a lot of money with his tech skills. Lar had seen him do some amazing things. Lar bit her lip as the Nats all-star hitter Kieran Farrell came up to bat at the bottom of the sixth inning. Farrell had already hit a home run in the first inning, and a grand slam would likely seal the win for her team. The crowd became silent with anticipation. She sat on the edge of her seat, inhaling the crisp air and trying to calm her nerves. To stay warm, she wore her prized leather riding jacket, which fit snugly over her baseball jersey. As superstition demanded, she adjusted her baseball cap, which kept loose strands of her sandy blonde hair in place. You've got this. The pitch flew straight and fast. She clenched her teeth as the crack of the bat echoed around the ballpark. The crowd murmured in unison. It was too close to call. She followed the trajectory toward center field, but the, but lost the ball in the bright stadium lights. Her eyes anxiously scoured the air. There it is. It's going, going, gone. The crowd went wild, jumping to their feet and screaming in celebration. Farrell had done it. With the grand slam, he'd likely cinched the National League championship. Elated, Lara turned to congratulate her fellow fans and nearly jumped out of her skin. Vic stood right next to her, beaming with a wide, goofy smile. Sheesh, he's so sneaky. Where have you been? Did you see it? Lara asked, lifting an eyebrow. Oh, yes, that hit was nothing short of full-blooded, Vic said. I was up there in the stands watching the batsman. What? Lara wrinkled her nose. Full-blooded? Vic nodded. Yep, it's a good thing. Trust me. Lara shrugged. Did you find your falafel? She asked as they both sat down. Vic shook his head vigorously and hauled out a bag of buttery popcorn. No, I looked everywhere. He pointed toward the food vendors in the park. Eventually, I asked someone, and they looked at me like I was mad or something. I mean, how can they not have falafel? It's an essential staple. You'd think those new automated food machines could manage something as simple as falafel. But no, they only do things like burgers, pizza, and hot dogs. Where's the variety? I simply don't understand this country sometimes. If she ever made it to India someday, she'd likely say the same about his country. Lara chuckled and grabbed a handful of popcorn. I totally get it, Batsman. Vic either ignored or didn't hear her teasing. On the field below, the game moved by rather quickly, at least for baseball. Lara wanted the game to be over before the Braves could recover from the Nats' quick surge. With the score 7-3, the loudspeakers announced the seventh inning stretch. Take me out to the ball game blared over the speakers a few feet above her ears as fans began getting up out of their seats. Some people stretched out their arms and legs and moved about in the aisles. 
Others raced up the stairs to make a final beer run before the end of the game. Something small appeared in the sky, high above left field. Lara squinted, trying to decipher what it could be. At first, she thought it was her imagination. What the? And then another came into view. And another. And another. And another. They kept coming. Her heart began to race. Are those mini UAVs? In seconds, hundreds of quadcopter drones were buzzing high above stadium seats. In a flash, the stadium lights grew dim, and the familiar ballgame tune stopped mid-song. Bright colors filled the air. Blue, green, red, and yellow beamed down from the drones. The crowd fell into a hushed silence, entranced by the show. A few seconds later, the opening notes of Beethoven's Symphony No. 5 came over the loudspeakers at top volume. Instantly, the drones began flying in unison, changing their formation and colors to the beats of the music. Her eyes widened. It was mesmerizing and terrifying. Lara gripped her armrest as a distant memory of the Afghan desert sky coming alive with armed drones flashed through her mind. Swelling hard, she focused on her breathing, trying her best to suppress the dark memory. Her arms came to her chest as her entire body tensed. No, Lara, this is not the same thing. She took a deep breath and pushed it out as fast as she could, releasing tension. As the breath escaped, her muscles relaxed. Vic glanced at her, worry in his eyes. Are you okay? I'm not a fan of drones, at least not anymore. Vic looked back at the show. But they're beautiful. Lara refused to look up at them. More like incredibly agile platforms capable of ever greater distances carrying heavier payloads and effortless navigation, capable of killing. I'm not sure if I'd use the word beautiful, Vic. For the first time in human history, neither any, nearly anyone could project power into the air, for good or for bad. She never understood why the U.S. government allowed drones with significant capabilities to become mainstream. In the early years of the drone revolution, the army underestimated the threat, and her comrades had paid the price with their lives. Until recently, the District of Columbia and most of the surrounding areas had been a no-drone zone, at least until Congress approved nationwide commercial drone delivery. The change relaxed the rules to allow citizens in the nation's capital to benefit from speedier delivery services. But key segments of the district, including the ballpark, remained strictly no-drone zones for national security reasons. This is the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my entire life, Vic said, his eyes wide as he gazed at the sky in complete awe. Lara, can you imagine how much work went into programming the software that instructs them to follow certain paths, to turn light their lights on and off, and to move so precisely in coordination with one another? Of course, he sees the code. Yes, I can, Lara replied, her jaw clenched tightly. What she couldn't imagine was the bureaucratic and security nightmare of getting such a stunt approved. Authorities would never permit a swarm of dorms drones to take flight this close to the U.S. Capitol building and the White House. Squinting to see in the dim light below, she studied the behavior of the security personnel. From their frantic body language, constant radio chatter, and how they pointed their flashlights into the sky, she could tell they knew nothing about this so-called show. Something's not right with this picture, Lara said, abruptly getting out of her seat. Lara, why must you always think there's a conspiracy behind everything? Vic asked. Enjoy the show for once. The ballpark management obviously arranged it as part of the seventh inning break. Lara snorted. It's the seventh inning stretch, and you're right. 
This was planned, just not by park management. Okay, let's go behind the scenes. So uh, first off, Nationals Baseball Park. Um, This is a really important setting for the beginning of the book. Um, It's also very important to my life. Uh, My job is located walking distance from the baseball park. So a couple of times a year, I'll go to a game with colleagues, um, with friends, um, and I also drive by it every day. So um, the other thing is it's such a beautiful park. It's very new. Um, and whenever I go to games, I, when I'm sitting there in the seats, I just marvel at the openness of the stadium. Um, a couple years ago, I was attending a game with my parents who are visiting me in D.C., and I couldn't get an image out of my head. The image was hundreds of drones flying over the top of the stadium walls and into the park. And as I thought about this, I thought about what should I think about that? Is, is this a danger? Is this a threat? Um, are, are they friendly? Is this a show? Um, what if they're not? What would I do? And um, so the drone show in uh, Bionic Bug is was inspired by a YouTube video I saw several years ago. It was a 100 drone light show designed by Intel. It was the first of its kind. And um, they put up a swarm of drones that flew um, basically in synchronization with the music of Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. So that actually happens in Bionic Bug. And they have every year come out with more more drones in their swarm. So 500, 1,000. Um, and you might have recalled uh, the drone show at the Super Bowl with Lady Gaga. I actually tuned in to watch the Super Bowl just for that. Um, again, uh, drones flying over a stadium, it's, it's very mesmerizing in some ways, but to me, it's also somewhat terrifying. And then most recently, Intel pulled off a world record at the Olympics opener with 1,200 drones. I'll put links to some of these YouTube videos in the show notes. So today, most off-the-shelf drones can carry only a small payload, maybe a few pounds. But as you can see from these drone shows with the swarming capability, the potential for scale is unlimited. So instead of lights, think about what if each of these drones carried a small explosive and were then delivered to a target. So that's my behind-the-scenes reflection for this week. Um, I hope to see you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to the Bionic Bug Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. You can also support my time in producing the show with Patreon at www.patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N forward slash Natasha Bajma. See you next week.